I, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, sort of where we are and then uh, a little bit of the history uh, which got us to this place, if I could, and uh, maybe a minute about next steps. Uh, this has been a very difficult bill, and uh, trade press media and the, the, the uh, mainstream media have written a lot about uh, various pieces of it. We started this process over three years ago uh, when then-Congressman Colin Peterson, a uh, Democrat of Minnesota, was chairman of the committee. <coughs> Excuse me. We had listening sessions in North Florida. At that time, we had a uh, Democratic congressman who was on the Agri-Probes Committee, who was a peanut farmer, uh, representing this part of Florida. We had uh, hearings in uh, South Alabama with the committee. We had hearings in Georgia uh, with the committee and around the country. We had over 40 hearings nationwide preparing for the Farm Bill. We had two committee markups. We had uh, in the process on the floor, over two, uh, in the committee, over 200 amendments considered, and then eventually three days of floor time on the, on the House side. So a lot of activity building up for this bill. Uh, when Chairman Frank Lucas spoke here uh, at the conference uh, last July, we thought we were nearing the point we'd bring a bill to the floor and, and move forward in 2012 with this farm bill. But it didn't work out that way. We passed a Senate farm bill uh, last year that we didn't like very much, and our three strong players on the committee had opposed the bill and others and uh, fought it, but uh, it still passed. Senators Cochran, Chambliss, and Bozeman of Arkansas. Others opposed but on the floor, but those were our three Ag Committee uh, stars. The House bill failed 195 to 234, eventually passed by a very narrow mar margin, Republicans for, uh, most Republicans for, and uh, all Democrats were opposed to this last bill, which did not contain the nutrition title, as Congressman Conaway mentioned. But this isn't our first difficult farm bill. We wouldn't have to look very far back. We made extensions before, but uh, all we'd have to do is look at the uh, O2 bill because it expired. And uh, we were set to pass a bill by September 30th, 2007, for the 2007 Farm Bill. But the Senate did not pass the Farm Bill until December 14th, 2007. There were six separate extensions of the O2 Farm Bill. We, we, we have memory loss when we start worrying about extensions now. The first extension was not enacted until December 26, 2007. That was not a popular extension with uh, congressional families. Only two farm bills in 40 years have met their September 30th uh, expiration deadline, 1973 and 1977. So just briefly, we've had difficulty before. We've had uh, bills that have come back to the Senate. We've had struggles uh, with uh, farm bills in the past. In addition, uh, there's much uh, discussion about, as uh, Congressman Conway mentioned, going back to permanent law, 1938 Act or the uh, uh, 49 Agricultural Act, specifically the programs that would revert to uh, parity prices. Uh, we read a lot about dairy, what would happen to milk prices, the spike there, what would happen to wheat. Uh, our fear with the expiration of the O2 bill was that the the first uh, commodity out of the box where 
prices would spike would be it would have been uh, winter wheat. So would cotton, corn, and rice, but not peanuts. And that's really what we're meeting about here: uh, peanuts, soybeans, peanuts, sugar, and there are others would be left to the discretion of the Secretary of Agriculture, whoever's in office then, if we reverted permanent law as to whether we got anything or not. So the concept of not having permanent law for a peanut and having the 2013 bill, House or Senate or some uh, conference combination of the two, is not a bad idea or bad proposal for peanut growers. That package would look a lot better than nothing, and that's what we have under the current uh, uh, reversion to permanent law. So the House language termination is something that we want to seriously look at in the process. Uh, we have uh, a good House bill and we have a good Senate bill. We've asked uh, Dr. Fletcher and his team at the National Center for Peanut Competitiveness to look at both bills. We've started talking about that and hopefully in this next week we'll have run those packages, various uh, options through our 22 representative farms that we've had for years that we know a lot about from Oklahoma all the way around to the state of Virginia. And uh, that will give us some guidance to share information with uh, both the House and Senate conferees and those that aren't on the conference that are strong peanut supporters. I'd like to uh, just briefly, if I could, uh, go through the highlights of both bills specifically on peanuts uh, and give you an idea. And some of it, you'll say, well, that's just obvious what we should support. But the others, we still have to look at closely. And we have one area that's problematic for us in the bills that I'll mention briefly. Uh, first, Senate bill, we've got a $523.77 target price. Uh, direct payments for both bills are eliminated. We kept all the normal items that uh, we, we've grown used to in 02 and the 08 bills since we killed the quota program. And uh, those are the separate payment limit for peanut, uh, storage and handling provision, uh, DMA provision, and uh, some of the other uh, bells and whistles. In the House bill, the target price is 535. Marketing loan for both bills stays the same. Uh, we kept the separate payment limit for peanut. Uh, we have the storage and handling provision. The DMA provision stays the same. We do have reductions in the uh, payment limitations. And we also have some differences uh, in the two bills. Senate bill has a 750 adjusted uh, gross income test, and then the, uh, the House bill has a 950,000 uh, AGI test. Uh, what we found was that uh, when we struggled with ag appropriations markups, particularly coming from the House, where $250,000 adjusted gross income test would pair with the House package, typically in the full pro, uh, House appropriations markups. We found that that would wipe out about half or more of our producers from participating in uh, programs across the Southeast. So we knew 250 was low. Dr. Fletcher and his team looked at it, $500,000 low. And at the $750,000 level, we're still hitting a few of the farms in our, out of our 22 test farms or representative farms nationwide. So uh, that's a piece that we'll be working on. We've talked to House and Senate staff already a little on payment limitations. Our friends are aware of it, and uh, hopefully we can work that piece out. Uh, what's next? Don't struggle with this nutrition in, nutrition out business too much. 
That's going to be worked out amongst uh, House and Senate leaders uh, at a very high level. Uh, our focus should be now on the minutia of Title I. We need to stick with that, communicate our position to our uh, strongest members on the conference committee and others uh, in the House and Senate. So that should be our focus. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to have a farm bill. As Congressman Conaway said, it'll have a nutrition title and uh, wherever that ends up. But uh, for a bill to pass the Senate, it'll have to have a nutrition title. So we, uh, we just need to focus on our business. Uh, talks have begun among staff already. The members, as Congressman Conaway mentioned, the big four of the ranking and the chair of uh, both the House and Senate Ag Committees have met. Uh, we, uh, a group of us met with uh, Chairman Lucas on uh, Thursday morning. He was very upbeat. We've taken the first step. We're moving the, the ball down the uh, field some, and uh, he was very, very positive about uh, uh, where we are in the process. Uh, we just want to get this done, conferenced, and signed into law before the September 30th, uh, 13 deadline. Uh, just a little background on uh, process, uh, which got us to this place. Uh, I mentioned last year uh, at this same meeting that our, strong, our coalition during 2012 and 2011, going back to when uh, Chairman Peters was in place in 10, cotton, rice, peanut, and sugar. And we've held very close together uh, in lobbying, in raising money, in whipping members, House and Senate, but it's a good team. We've also had a lot of help from the Southern Farm Bureaus, Alpha, Mississippi Farm Bureau, Georgia Farm Bureau, but also Arkansas and Louisiana. They've been strong supporters uh, and have helped us at a national level when we need it. Um, we've had problems with the, uh, some of the Midwestern groups, American Soybean Association, National Corn Growers, continue to push back on any increase in target prices and in the Senate push back hard on us having a, uh, a counter-cyclical type program at all. Uh, so this, that's been a difficult process. We try to bring wheat into our group. They've had a lot of staff changes over the last four or five years. Uh, we felt like that they were supportive of a target price concept. That did not work out as we moved into the Senate bill in 2012. Uh, we don't know how this is gonna play out have not been as visible of late. Uh, within our industry, uh, peanut growers, peanut shellers, and the uh, buying points have worked very closely together. Uh, I can't name one instance when the buying points and the shellers didn't work with the Federation, our four states, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi, in trying to get a good program for peanut producers. So hats off to them. The pre-2002 farm bill problems we had uh, with some of the industry groups have dissipated and we've all worked as a, a team and, and uh, it's uh, really worked in our favor as peanut producers and hopefully for the shellers and buying points too. Virginia Carolina growers, Virginia North Carolina growers were not supportive of an increase in target price. Uh, the 5.35 and even the uh, 5.23, uh, 77 cents in the Senate uh, were actively pushing last year and this year uh, to move the target price down, wanted to keep it lower. This has been a real problem for us. Uh, Dr. Fletcher and his team have developed a lot of data uh, justifying where we had the target price. We hadn't had an increase since 2002, and many of you involved with our supply management peanut quota program uh, will recall we had prices much higher than the 495 and the 355 marketing loan going back to the quota days. So uh, just clearly that's an issue for us. 
and uh, we need to continue to talk with the, the VC area in that area. In the Senate, uh, we were targeted by Midwestern members, uh, not all of them. Some tried to help us. Uh, we're real stars in trying to bring groups together. But even in this last floor uh, debate in the Senate, where cl clearly the bill was going to move, we had uh, some pushback in the amendment process from some of the Midwestern senators. Uh, in the House, our biggest problem early on for this pastime when the uh, bill failed was an amendment by Congressman Gibbs of Ohio, who's from a very uh, rural district, long, narrow district, center of Ohio, uh, instigated by corn and soy growers associations that were pushing back on our target prices and uh, the formulas for our uh, acreage payment rates in our uh, countercyclical program. This was very difficult. Congressman Tom Graves of Georgia uh, off, decided to offer an amendment uh, which turned out to be very helpful for southeastern peanut producers. His amendment said basically if you sell a bushel of corn for ethanol, that bushel of corn can't participate in a Title I commodity program. This was very helpful to us. Once that amendment was dropped, approved by the Rules Committee and ready to go to the floor, Congressman Gibbs pulled his amendment. So he got the message loud and clear from uh, Congressman Graves, and that was very, very helpful to us and very timely. Uh, just wrapping up a little bit, we've got to complete work on the bill. Uh, at our December Federation meeting, uh, our plan is to discuss at length where we are. Hopefully we'll be done with the farm bill, uh, take a look at the impact on our producers and uh, where we need to go forward and prepping for the next uh, next bill and, and specifically implementation of uh, the 12, of this bill. Um, our biggest threat, I was asked this uh, yesterday by several farmers uh, attending, what is our biggest uh, threat uh, to peanut growers? If you'll remember, we had certain members that were high profile in years past as far as opposing uh, our peanut program. Uh, we had Rick Santorum that offered eight floor amendments on ag appropriations one year uh, against the peanut program. We had uh, uh, former ag chairman uh, uh, Dick Luger, who's uh, uh, out of the Senate now, who uh, always offered peanut amendments in committee and on the floor. Uh, and we had other issues in the House, uh, Ron Kind and uh, from Wisconsin and, and other members. Um, that's not really our problem now as much. I would think the long-term issue for us as growers, and this applies to other commodities too, producers, is uh, the potential for insignificance. Even though our acreage stays high, production levels are great due to uh, state and federal research uh, expenditures and grower research expenditures, our numbers are decreasing. And uh, as far as volume of votes, we just don't have it in the number of congressional districts and in number of states that we used to have. And this piece is uh, very frightening to us. So under our system, without volumes of voters, large blocks, organized blocks of voters, that leaves us in the political process really with the financial piece and political contributions. Uh, cotton, rice, and peanut all struggle with this piece. It's hard to raise money for candidates. Uh, the sugar growers got it a long time ago, particularly sugar beet growers. They understand it. They have less numbers, uh, similar situation as peanut, and do a great job with it. But this is an area that we've got to do a better job post-2013 Farm Bill 
uh, to protect our future and our political position uh, with the Congress. I uh, was with the cotton and rice and sugar recently in meeting with a Democratic leader. And in this uh, discussion, he was talking about, uh, this was a House member, long-term strategy for uh, House Democrats, uh, and, and, and this won't be too specific, but that plan did not call for recapturing those southern rural districts that were held by uh, Democrats or Blue Dogs, or if you go far enough back, by Bull Weevils in the South or the Midwest. Long-term plan for, for their party was to capture suburban districts, not ag districts. Our Republican leadership, uh, as we know, we have some strong leaders in the Senate, but we have a very, very small number. And we're very weak in the peanut states on Democratic leaders because peanuts grow mostly in Republican Senate states. So we have to do a really good job of watching this piece. We're going to lose a, a champion for us, the Saxby Chambliss from Georgia, in the end of 2014. This will be his last farm bill. And uh, I met with him and he announced he was going to retire, and I begged him to just carry me one more time, but it didn't work out that way. But we've got to watch that Senate seat, and that Senate seat will be key for our southeastern future. That's really important uh, seat for us. But we will have to be better politicians as we move forward to, uh, to continue the run we've had with some really good farm bills over the years. Some better than others, but uh, we will have to work very hard. Thank you very much.